0: Well, it was quite a treat to catch up with Dot Richardson, the Hall of Famer, one of the most talented fast-pitch players of her time, but she is so much more than a fast-pitch player. She's a doctor. She's a teacher. She's now the coach at Liberty University out in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I feel like in my lifetime... I've come across some tremendous stories and watched some remarkable feats. I've seen things in the weight room that looked superhuman to me at times. I've watched the way guys can run and glide and move. And and equally, it's just uh, remarkable to watch God's gifts in people through all my 44 years, I've not yet and hadn't yet come across a story quite like dots. I hadn't heard of a 10-year-old athlete competing with 20-year-olds and more than holding her ground. But her story, as I said, is much more than just her remarkable athleticism, her gold medals, and even becoming an orthopedic surgeon. No, her story is so much about exactly what this podcast is all about, that crossroads of her faith and her sport. And how those two have intersected over the course of a remarkable lifetime. I don't know how often you update your Wikipedia page, Coach, or how much of it is accurate, but do, do I understand that, uh, let's see, you played for the Union Park Jets back in the day? Is that true?
1: That is true.
0: Is that where it all started?
1: <laughs> you could say that. Well, I'd go back a little bit more. Um You know, when I was a little girl, I just knew that God had given me a gift in athletics. I just knew it because, wow, I loved it so much and it came very easy. You know, just love the movements of the game and, you know, um, just all that it incorporates. Just, it just felt so alive, you know, doing it, running and jumping and all of that. And as I'm growing up as a young girl, uh, I noticed my brothers, one older and one younger, got the opportunity to play organized sports. And I was never given that opportunity because girls were not allowed, uh, to play in any organized sports when I was young. And so, uh, my dad who coached him in in all their sports, but you know, little league baseball was where I wanted to be a major league baseball pitcher. And here is a, just a young girl. I was never allowed to even play little league. Right. So I would go to bed at night. And when I'd say my prayers, I'd say, you know, heavenly father, um, why would you give me so much talent and and passion for something when there was no opportunity to utilize it, right? To experience it. And I look back now and those are just words of a child because we don't know what the future holds and God has a plan, right? In Jeremiah twenty we're all familiar with that, you know, our plans to prosper. And, uh, but you keep talking about, you know, verse 12 and 13, we have to continue to seek him. And And I kept seeking him, knowing that he has a purpose in my life. I just knew it. I felt it. But I just wondered why, you know, it it wasn't easy, right? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because the boys didn't have a problem with me. You know, they picked me first for pickup games after school, right? But that's just what society said. And too bad you're born a girl and good at sports. There's just not a lot of opportunities. And I felt at the time there was none. And uh, it was that amazing day. I mean, and it was right it was on a Saturday right before my older brother's Little League baseball game and he had gotten a brand new mitt, a catcher's mitt and he asked me, he could have asked anyone, but he asked me to break in the catcher's mitt, right? So he just knew that I had a good fastball, I guess. So here I am winding up and firing a fastball imagining, Brock, I'm imagining I'm a Major League baseball pitcher. I can't even play Little League. And Next thing you know, the game must have ended because this coach comes over to me and says, wow, you got a great arm. How would you like to play on my Little League baseball team? (laughs) Unbelievable, right? My prayers are being answered, right? It's happening. I'm going to play Little League. I'm going to be a Major League baseball pitcher. It's going to happen. And then he said, in practically the same breath, well, we're going to have to cut your hair really short and give you a boy's name. We're going to call you Bob. So I would have had to disguise myself as a boy in order to play and I just didn't feel as right. So I just mm. looked at him and I said, and as much as I wanted it, I mean, oh my gosh, I wanted to play. I wanted to have a uniform. I wanted to be on a team. You know, I just wanted to live the dream. And I looked at him and said, sir, thank you. But no, thank you. I just, you know, don't feel it's right to hide who I am.
0: And this isn't the like 1920s or 30s, right? I mean, this is. No, this was in 1971. People people hear that story and say, "Oh, you know, oh poor you. Oh, that's just that's just terrible. Oh, before women had any right. This is yeah, this is 1971. You're 10 years old, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're, uh, this is in Florida, correct?
1: Correct. My dad had just retired from the military, the Air Force. We'd been all over Guam and New Hampshire and England and Kansas and. New Mexico, and then he retired, a uh, senior master sergeant, and we settled in Orlando.
0: And you're the middle of three, so you have an older brother and a younger brother, is that right?
1: Well, I have two older sisters. Okay. And again, how the Lord works, I saw with my older sisters, very good in athletics as well, very good in sport, but they were never given any opportunity because of being older. Uh, so they could only play, you know, just kind of recreation stuff. That was about it.
0: But you knew that you had a passion for this, and, and you said your prayers at night. So did you grow up in a home where um, your parents led, where, where prayer was a part of life, where um, your faith and, and, and church was a part of home?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I saw it in my parents, and particularly my mom was just such a living example of you know being Christ-like. You just saw her compassion for people and her time that she gave and her service and just very faithful uh, to the Lord. And we'd all, as five kids, you know, we'd be going with mom and dad to church. And I remember my first Bible and it was that brown cover children's Bible book, right? And I remember opening it up and reading about King Solomon to my friend Mark, who was a year younger. And I think at this time I was about six, maybe five or six. And you know, just Um, just always felt the Holy spirit and just felt the presence of the Lord and just the joy and of, it's just hard to explain. I, I just have to say a joy just about, um, life and, um, just going through Sunday school and everything. And so very blessed.
0: But you did not want to be Bob. I've got a 10 year old son. So I'm trying to imagine if my Titus, you know, was put into that situation from just a spiritual maturity standpoint, a maturity standpoint. Here a coach tells you, Hey, you've got a, you've got a fastball. I think you can play for me, but here's the deal. You got to cut your hair. You got (laughs) to change your name because we can't have a, a young lady on our little league team. And ultimately at that moment, you said, no.
1: Well, I can tell you, I know that God has a sense of humor because years later I married a Bob. <laughs> come on. That is like <laughs> the Lord is just wait. We see him face to face. It's just going to be amazing. Well, I, one of the things I have to say is that my mom, I would ask my mom, I'm doing dishes, right? And we're together and I'm like, mom, how come I can't play little league? And she said, well, because when you strike out all the boys, the parents aren't going to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And that was a really moving moment for all the parents listening, because in a way she had said, I recognize how talented you are, right? I know that you have these gifts um, and parents aren't going to be able to handle it instead of saying, well, you're a girl, so, you know, just live with it. Right. Yeah. But it's, I have to say that the root of just, and I want to encourage parents to continue to feed their children with the truth, with the word, because uh, society definitely doesn't do it. You know, it doesn't do it. And, um, you know, so for me, I just always looked at what happened in my life, even at 10 years of age and even, you know, younger was, what is the Lord teaching me? Like, what lesson is there in this? And, um, it all happened 30 minutes later after I said, sir, thank you, but no, thank you. I walked over and saw a friend of mine and all we knew were baseball, you know, how to play catch with a baseball. Right. And so her name is Sunday Brown and she's a good athlete too. And she was denied a chance to play and we're playing catch and far and right field of this field at the time. I didn't know what it was right now. I know it was a slow pitch field, slow pitch softball field. And we're playing baseball catch, and we knew that there was a team in the infield, but we're hiding, hoping they don't recognize us way out in right field. And this other coach came running up to me and says, "Wow, you got a great arm! Do you have a minute to talk to the head coach?" And I was like, "Sure." And as I'm walking with them towards from right field to first base, um, my first thought was déjà vu. You know, this this is within 30 minutes, right, of my my plan of being a little league baseball player was crushed. And so as we're, we're walking towards first base, I look on the infield and no longer were there boys there. There were women. And as I rounded home plate, heading to third out from the third base dugout came the head coach. It wasn't a man, it was a woman. And this had shocked me to this point in my life. Right. And she said, have you ever played softball? I was like, no, what is it? Oh, it's just like baseball, but the ball's a little bigger. Get on third base. So as I got on third base, I'm firing the ball around. I just felt like I belonged, right? It just, it felt right. Hmm. And I think about that in temptations in our world, you know, when, when we're doing things that feel right, are we doing it because it feels right? The Lord is, you know, we're seeking the Lord with it, or is it more of the world or the flesh, right? The temptation of the flesh. But so here I am fielding ground ball and firing it around and feel like I belong. And she calls me over and she says, how would you like to play on my fast pitch softball team? Wow. And I was so <laughs> excited. I mean, I, I can't imagine how she, you know, kind of handled me. I was like, yes, I would love to. And to myself, I'm saying, man, thank you, Lord. You know, like your answer, my prayer, the ball's just a little bigger, right? Um, I always laugh about that. The first time I touched the softball, how much bigger it felt than a baseball that I was so used to, right? And uh, she looked at me and she said, um, how old are you anyway? And when I told her I was 10 years old, she almost died because the average age of the team was 22. And she got this look on her face like, okay, and it's one of those looks your parents give, they're going to say no, right? And she said, well, we need to go talk to your mom and dad. And when she, uh, her and the assistant coach, they went to our house. It was only like a mile down the road. And uh, there we were in the living room and She said, we'd love for, you know, your daughter to play with the Union Park Jets. And we're a women's class A team that's right underneath the women's major team. We travel regionally just, you know, around the area here in central Florida. And mom and dad said, yes. And that's how it all began. And my parents later on, they'd always say, I can't believe at 10, we allowed you to, to play right. And, uh, with these older women and stuff, but it, uh, you know, it, they just believed and they supported and, you know, I was the leadoff batter and played third base. But I tell you, I bring up that moment because I think there's so many life lessons the Lord teaches us in all that happened in our lives. And at that particular time, there were so many. And that's why I love to start when we talk about that, because I learned we don't have to hide who we are right? That God has given us, um, each different gifts. He's not one more important than the other that we're all the body of Christ, right? That we all have an important role to play and we have, we'll have our moments and hopefully our moments we choose to glorify him in it, right? And give the glory to him. And for me, as I'm starting is so funny too, because it was kind of foreshadowing because the colors of the Union Park jets were red, white, and blue. And so here I am, 10 years of age and just having the opportunity to compete. But I also thought it says, well, what about Sunday Brown? I mean, why didn't that coach ask her? I mean, she's mm. really a good athlete. Well, the next year when title nine came into effect in our neighborhood of union park, Sunday became the first girl ever to play little league baseball. Mm. Right. Mm. Each of us have our destiny, right? Each of us, if, I had not been in quotations discovered at that moment. I probably would have went for a little league baseball. Right. Yeah. But instead it opened the doors and, uh, you know, I look back and boy, I, you know, wouldn't change a thing because a lot of people through the years of me competing would say, you know, wow, you just look like you love it so much. And it's because I was denied the opportunity And in our struggles, you know, and in our trials, who do we turn to? And when you're turning to the Lord and you just give it to him and trust him and don't compromise, his plans are far exceed what you could possibly imagine. And then he gives you a glimpse as well, because after the 96 Olympics, I was asked to throw out the first pitch, uh, the World Series with the Yankees versus the Braves. Right. And I had that moment in Atlanta in front of what 60,000 people, uh, to throw out the first pitch of the game. And I just, at, before I did, I just reflected back as a young girl with that dream of being a major league baseball pitcher and just thank the Lord that I had this one shot, right? Even though I wasn't wow. a major league baseball player, but I was on the field. Right. And I got to fire it, but I just encourage everyone. You got to seize the moment prepare yourself, trust, uh, realize it's going to be God's timing, not your timing and don't compromise. Don't fall into the world so much and try to do it all on your own. You just, it comes to to trust and belief. And my parents had it for me and I had it. And, you know, I, I just never take anything for granted because I had gone through the rejection, if you would, and the, the, the sneers and the sarcasm. Well, too bad you're born a girl and pretty much saying girls don't amount to anything in athletics, you know, and, uh, and I just believed I was made for a purpose and a reason and just wanted to glorify the Lord and, and he opened the, the opened, uh, the field, if you would, and the rest you could say is history.
0: So about three different things come to mind here, coach, as as you share your story there? And I can't wait to unfold even more of it. Uh, The first of which is that coach that wanted you to call you Bob. Do you think you ever, did you ever circle back to him? Did did he ever? Did he? Do you think he followed you from from that point forward? Did he ever? Did you ever get a chance to reconnect with him?
1: Well, I hope he did. Um, But I have to tell you that I have no ill will because he was just trying to make it work. Yeah. Within the system that was given to everyone, right? Sure. Girls are not allowed to play little league baseball. And so, I actually was quite honored that he recognized the talent and he didn't see a gender, right? He saw talent. And that was what was so magical about 96 to me is that world embraced, you know, they call that the Olympics of title nine embraced women's sports and women athletes for talent, you know, not just a stereotype of gender. Right. So I just, to that gentleman, I hope he followed because I just think he'd be smiling because I, appreciated him recognizing the gifts and having the courage, if you would, to come over there and talk to me about it and to recognize that. And he was just trying to make it work,
0: Yeah. right? He was trying to yeah. say, okay, if
1: we disguise you as a boy, um, and I just feel the Lord doesn't want us to hide, you know, who we are with the gifts that he has given us to to share.
0: Secondly, that, that fast pitch softball coach, <laughs> when she calls you over and you get a chance to meet her, did she go we're not going to call you Bob. We're going to call you Dot. You know, I'll, I'll replace the Bs and put a D in a T. Or, or in, that mo- in that moment, or, or was Dot a nickname that uh, brothers and sisters gave you growing up?
1: No, actually, it was Dorothy, 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 until, and that's the next story, when I became um, the youngest, you know, I became the back girl actually, for the Orlando Rebels. And uh, there was a, a Dotty on the team. And Dorothy was just too long. And so Mar Ricker, the head coach, said, we're going to call you Dot. So I became the Girl of the Orlando Rebels, a uh, women's major. That's like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Braves and, yeah. you know, the highest level in our game. And uh, so she was the one that actually called me Dot and, because there was a, a Dottie. And I was it, younger.
0: And then the last thing that came to my mind is you, you shared about doing dishes with your mom. And your mom, you know, talking about the boys wouldn't in the community wouldn't be able to handle it. I just want to dig into that a little bit, especially in, in, in this time that we find ourselves in, in this day and age and culture we find ourselves in. The fact that your mom did not have bitterness. Nor teach you bitterness in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. She, you said it. She was forthright. She was Christ-like. She just had this joy of of the Lord, and she was in that moment. Didn't brush it off, but but used it to kind of just train your heart a little bit, and not train it in bitterness. Why? How?
1: With the Lord, I mean. It's such an important part of her that you know the Lord can give us grace, right? And forgiveness, redemption. And I think for all of us, we need to share that with others. And my mom taught me that, you know, she showed that. But the interesting thing is my dad, a great athlete. I mean, really good. You go back to upstate New York, and he probably even still has records way back when he was in high school. But he told me that my mom was a better athlete than him. Hmm. And she could only be a cheerleader right? She couldn't play these other sports, even though she did say that they would have this slow pitch. Um, it's like a softball game. It wasn't slow pitch because she said, Oh, we never threw a high arc, but she mentioned playing that game at some point, whether it was in the neighborhood and stuff, but really good athlete. And, and, uh, my dad said she was even faster than him running. So I do believe that, uh, as the Bible says, you know, there's blessings that continue through the generation. And I do. I, I have always felt that we have been so blessed because of my parents and their parents. Uh, and maybe I was the one chosen to kind of live the dreams for her that she didn't get a chance to do. Mm. And I always felt that when I played that my parents enjoyed watching. I mean, they would just sit back and relax and, and just have an awesome time watching. And they were so into it. And I just felt that, Maybe in a way, I'm able to help live the dream for my mom, you know, and that's uh, continuing with my education. Hold on, hold on a second.
0: Did you say your parents could sit there and enjoy watching? Dot, you now are are the head coach at Liberty University. You recruit all across the country, right? You you sit in these stands. Well, at least sometimes they at least put the coaches in a different area so they don't have to be around the parents and, and deal with all that. Hold on a second. You said your parents actually enjoyed watching you compete and play?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> they look forward to it all the time. Uh, and, and they they learned right away they never were like some of the parents now. And you know it. You've heard the helicopter parents, right, uh, hovering over their child. But now they're lawnmower parents. They want to mow everything down to make sure there's no trials, tribulations, obstacles, anything in their way, uh, in the way of their daughter or sons. And, um, you know, it's it's too bad because – part of learning and striving for excellence and becoming the best that you can be comes from your failures, right? From your, your trials and, and softball and baseball teaches that, you know, I think sport teaches that, but specifically, uh, softball and and baseball because you have so much time to either ponder over it, right. Or learn to flush it. Right. And so, you know, it's, uh, you just learn, you redefine what success is. And if you don't, then most likely you don't have the mindset to be uh, a competitive athlete. Hmm.
0: But they don't today. As you know, I mean the majority of the kids i'm sure you even recruit or you certainly watch or you're in those environments. It is just such a challenging and in your, and in that baseball softball world in particular i've got a good friend of mine whose daughter is a highly competitive, and they are so intense dot in these tournaments that bring in the best teams from the country and the best clubs and and that that moment is so intense and it 's so big and i don't, if you surveyed a hundred of those parents, how many of them would say, "Gosh?" I just love watching my kid play. Oh, I have so much joy watching Dot go out there and use her God-given gifts and, and go out there and play with joy out of a hundred. How many parents can do that today?
1: I don't think I've met one yet. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty sad to say. Um, I, mean, I shouldn't laugh. Um, and I'm right? not talking I mean, about you yeah. know, at Liberty. I'm talk you know, which is obviously included. I'm talking about in, years of following travel ball and we had the dots diamonds that my brother and a good friend uh, started asked if they could use my name and started 10 and unders and you know they just went all the way through and I was the director executive director of the national training center in Claremont Florida right outside of Orlando for 12 years and was able to fundraise and and have uh, a beautiful legends way ball fields created which are five uh, fast pit softball fields and just be able to watch you know from you know eight and unders all the way up into the collegiate and professional level, and it's uh you don't find too many parents that are just really just sitting back and and just enjoying it and letting whatever happens happens they they just have to be so into it in a in a such a competitive way that they feel their child reflects them and they take it so personal right um mm-hmm whether it's the conversations they have after a game where if their daughter doesn't play, instead of them saying, why aren't you, why don't you play? You know, Oh, the coach doesn't like you, you know, what, you know, all these excuses, right. Instead of being able to say, Hey, let's continue to work hard, you know, control. You always hear control the controllables, right? But the point is you can't control the lineup. And so what I've seen happen is they just quit that team, put their daughter on another team. She doesn't play as much as they think she should, quit that team, go to another team. And I saw the ultimate all the way to the bottom where this team had every uh, athlete on that team. That was the worst of the worst of all these other teams. And their parents got just so upset that their daughter Mm -hmm. wasn't playing enough. So they formed a team. And when they were in a tournament, they were like, you know, we, we can't play teams that are really good because we're not really strong. Right. And it was, what do you, what's the lesson you're teaching, right? You're teaching like, it's not a healthy competition, you know, to try and fight for starting role, to continue to learn from others that might be more talented, to help you get more talented. But instead, what you're teaching them is quit, right? If you're not getting what you want or what I want for you, then quit and then quit again and quit again and quit again. And that's just a, a strong message that I think is um, is a huge mistake in the life of Of young kids, Mm. right? Because the world is going to come at you and you're going to feel like you're losing and that you should quit, but you can't, you got to persevere. And what does the Lord say? Persevere, you know, run the good race. Um, And I think that they're being taught a lot opposite.
0: So here's this 10-year-old girl that gets to play with 20-somethings, <laughs> which I'm still trying to wrap my brain around. I, I'm having a hard time doing so. What, what a remarkable, remarkable journey. And you end up playing, and then ultimately you head to Western Illinois University, and ultimately on your way to UCLA and becoming a national champion. Can you tell me about that journey?
1: Yes. Well, how it all began was uh, the Union Park Jets had played the Orlando Rebels, a women's major team. And I guess this is where the head coach saw me. And the Orlando Rebels, again, a women's major level, decided they were going to help teach the sport, which is huge. We got to teach, right? We got we to give of ourselves and our talents to teach others, right? Well, they wanted to teach every girl in Central Florida fast pit softball. And so they had an instructional league, uh, which I went to, and the only reason I did is because I was supposed to go to an all-star tournament at the end of the year for the Union Park Jets, but I was playing around in the backyard and I was swinging from one limb of a tree to another, pretending I'm a gymnast, right? And as I dismounted on th- off the hood onto the hood of an old car my dad had there, I lost my balance. And when I looked back, I saw this board with nails sticking up. So I gave an extra push and I missed the board, but instead I landed barefooted on a sickle. And if I had turned any other way, I could have amputated my foot. But it cut my foot, and I was blessed it wasn't too severe, but it was definitely cut, and I was rushed to the emergency room, and they put about, I don't know, 20, 30 stitches in it. And because of that, I couldn't go to the all-star tournament. But instead, I hobbled my way up to this instructional league tryout that the Orlando Rebels were hosting. And I made a team, but everyone made a team, right? But I made a team. And I got the chance to learn from the legends in the game. And as all of baseball, you guys thinking about Babe Ruth and Lou Garrett and Mickey Mantle, these were the Babe Ruth and Lou Garrett and Mickey Mantles of softball, of fast pit softball at the women's major level. And I was eating it up. I was soaking it in. And at the end of that instructional league, which went about, you know, three months, the head coach, Marge Ricker, called me over and said, I talked to your parents. They said, the decision's up to you. How would you like to be an Orlando Rebel? Sorry. How would you like to be the Batgirl of the Orlando Rebel? And I was like, you bet. you bet. I would love to be the Batgirl. And I questioned people, would you stop playing for a season to be a Batgirl? You know, are you prepared to start at the bottom? Are you humble enough to be starting at the bottom to learn, right? And I I was. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be the best Batgirl I can be. And I was around these legends. And I saw how the game should be played.
0: And how old and, are you at this point, Dot? Uh,
1: right now, I was 11, almost 12. I was going to turn 12. And so... Here I am as a girl and then I got to practice with these legends. I got to see the best of the best, Joan Joyce, Irene Shea, Sharon Bacchus, Snooky Mulder, Stephanie Tenney. I mean, I got to see the legends play, you know, Paula Knoll, I can go on and on, right? Mick, Mickey Davis and uh just legends. And I next thing you know, um the Orlando Rebels are beating an Alabama team ten to zero. And coach looked in the dugout and says, Dot, get into the game. And I was like, What? She says, yeah, get into right field. I said, is this legal? Yeah, that girl's on the official roster. Get out there. Well, the, I don't know if that was true, but that's what she said. So would you, do you know that anything that could happen to me in a game seemed to happen in those two half innings? I get, bat, a base, I get up to bat, a runner at second base, I get a base you. hit, and the yeah. runner rounds third and scores a run. At first base, um, I get a steal. I, you know I steal second. Then the next batter gets a base hit. I round third and score a run, RBI, right? And then, as I scored the run, I'm defense, I'm in right field, and I get a routine fly ball. And then, to end the game, it's like a movie to end the game, a line shot is hit to me. I scoop up and throw the girl out at first base. The crowd went wild. The team went wild. It's like unbelievable. So that fall, Marjorick comes up to me and she says, I've talked to your mom and dad. They said, the decision's up to you. How would you like to be an Orlando rebel? So the next year at 13 years of age, I became the youngest girl ever to play women's major ball. And I bring that up for a number of things. Are we ready to seize our moment and our opportunity? Not only was I trying to be the best I could be. The next thing is when I finally got a chance to be in a game, which I never thought was going to happen. Who'd ever think a bad girl would be in a game? <laughs> I was just ready to enjoy it and go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just go for it. So now I'm an Orlando rebel, the youngest girl ever to play women's major, because before that time you had to be 14 legally. Well, they had dropped the age, right? They had just dropped it. There was no age limit or beginning. So I bring that up to answer your question because how did I get to Western Illinois? The, or the rebel games were started which was the idea Marge Ricker had because so many Northern colleges were wanting to come South to be able to start their season. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they came South. Well, I, at the time, you know, um, when she started this, I believe I was about, I think I was about 15. And so I was young enough. I'm on the Orlando rebels. I'm not in college and I'm playing these colleges well, that's when, the Orlando, that's when uh, Western Illinois' Kathy Veroni, the head coach, saw me. Hmm. And so she offered a scholarship. Now, remember, this was AIAW, not NCAA. The AIAW is the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. And so when I got the opportunity to go to Western Illinois, I, I knew I wasn't going to go to college in Florida because it was slow pitch at the time, right, not fast pitch. And in high school, I played volleyball, basketball, softball, track and field, and tennis, I loved them all, Mm. but it was actually fast fit softball in the summer competing at women's majors, um, that I just loved it so much. So I went to Western Illinois and I played field hockey for the first time in my life. I played basketball, loved it, loved basketball because you never get rained out. Right. And, um, and then softball, we came in fifth in the nation. I led the country with a four eighty batting average, first team, all American, everything was great. Loved it. Uh, but next thing you know, because when I graduated from high school, the summer before college, um, I was selected to the United States first ever Pan American team. So I was the youngest starter at 17 and we're in San Juan, Puerto Rico when we won a gold medal. And that's where the United States Pan American basketball women's coach saw me and, uh, Billy Moore is her name. And she, was a basketball coach at UCLA. Hmm. So she went back to tell Sharon Backus, the head softball coach at UCLA, about me. Not knowing that, um, you know, obviously she found out when the season, you know, went into softball. But she gave a call to Marge Ricker. And Marge said, sorry that you missed, you know, Dot because she really wanted to go to UCLA. Well, my parents were like, "Up, UCLA is too far away. I'd never sight unseen. I hadn't seen it. Um, But, Uh, You know, I just got in my head, UCLA, because uh, my junior year in high school, they had won every women's major uh, sport AIAW national championship. And I had heard about it all the way in Florida. So that's where I wanted to be, right? The best, with the best of the best, to be the best I could be, right? So anyway, I was going to stay at Western another year and then transfer to UCLA. But my big sister called and she said, you're going to go to UCLA. Mom and dad aren't going to tell you what to do, but I am. You're going to (laughs) go. So I listened to my big sister and went to UCLA and played one year again, AIAW, and then the NCAA recognized women in their organization, um, and that was the season of academic year of eighty one eighty two. So while I was at UCLA, we won the first ever NCAA championship when I was there, wow. and I was able to play uh, JV basketball, and my fifth year I played uh, varsity basketball.
0: Wow, this is the crossroads of, of you know of faith and sports. Dot, and I'm just curious through that entire journey, right? And, and again, I've got a ten year old, and uh, my daughters are now nearing eighteen and, and fifteen. So I'm imagining them in these ages that you're referencing. And my oldest is going to go off to college next year for the first time. So all of this kind of hits home uh, and and hits hard. And I, I'm just curious as you're winding through all of those journeys. From the Pan Am games to Western Illinois, over to UCLA, all of those journeys. Where is that faith? Where is the faith component in this game that you love to play?
1: Everywhere. You know, as we shared the story in the beginning, you know, you just pray the power of prayer, but it's a trust and belief. We don't have to compromise who we are and that God's plans for us are greater than ours could possibly be. That's really sums it up. And I think when you talk about, you know, my career and my life, it's so evident, it's so obvious. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that you have trials and tribulations and you look at whether it's Olympians and, um, you know, orthopedic surgeons and look at all these things and think life is easy. Life is not easy and it's not meant to be easy because it's, it's life, you know, when sin entered the world, You know, judgment was made, Genesis 3.15, you know, and that when sin entered the world, uh, that made, you know, the three temptations we have, you know, the main core categories are what? The world itself, our flesh, and Satan. And we are living in a fallen world. And as sinful nature as we all are, you know, we're always tempted. And the question is, do we bring it back to the Lord, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And as you do that, you realize that you know you continue to need Him more and more. But you realize that as you head towards the sinful nature, and and when you you have a power the Holy Spirit gives you Ephesians three twenty right and twenty one that He He gives you the power to say no, um, or if you fall into sin, He gives you the power to quickly repent and ask forgiveness, and that only comes with seeking Him. And looking for what the message is he's given you. And uh, people will laugh, but in sport, you get so many lessons that happen. I think one of the greatest tournaments I ever played, ever played. I mean, I, I came up with a saying, it's being one with the ball. I was one with the ball. Nothing else existed. Nothing. I wasn't thinking about outcomes. I wasn't thinking about what people might be thinking. I wasn't thinking about letting my team down or I wasn't thinking about we got to win. I got to do this. Oh, no, 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 no. I was in the zone. I was just so one with the ball. It was unbelievable. But the Lord always gave me a failure, if you would, like whether it's running in the foul territory and diving and just missing a ball. And I said to myself, I got to be quicker move quicker. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. whether, you know, it was up to bat and I took a strike and it's like, can't, you got to be aggressive. You got to hunt for your pitch, you know, give them nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, it's hard to describe, but I'll give you an example. Balls hit through the legs of uh, my third baseman. And I backhanded it and threw the girl out at first base. A ball is hit in the five, six hole. I dive and from my knees. I throw the girl out at first base. A line drive is hit in the five, six hole. I run and I dive horizontal to the ground and make the play. A runner's on first base. A ground ball is hit a little to the second base side of second. I dive, I get it in my glove, and I roll across the bag and tag it with my leg, my foot, right, for the force out. A ball was hit almost to the grass right in center field. I get the ball, and I throw the girl out at first. A pitcher delivers the ball. The ball is blooped over her glove. I run in from shortstop and dive and catch the ball an inch before it hits the ground. I hit in the 400s. I was, what, we won the national championship the first time in the history of the Orlando Rebels. First time ever. First team All-American, MVP, defensive player of the tournament, offensive, everything, everything. But what was the most amazing thing I shared with you? I remember it. I remember it. Hmm. So are we creating memories, right? That are inspired to give everything we have that God has given us to the best of our abilities and to trust and just be in the moment one with the ball, realizing that as we fall short, right? we still are able to pick ourselves up and continue to strive for excellence and perfection, even though we know it may never, ever be reached. But I tell you, I love that movie chariots of fire, right? Where the runner is interviewed and he, and he said, you know, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Mm -hmm. Are we feeling God's pleasure in what we do? Because if you do, you know, you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. And that kind of sums it up. I mean, like, I'm just smiling. I'm like ear to ear right now, because when you're able to just give it to the Lord and just go for it. And I look at our players now and there's so many young athletes, boys and girls that are just worried about, am I going to let the team down? I don't want to let the team down. What are my parents going to think? What is the coach going to think? You know, oh, I'm afraid. I'm just trying to be perfect. And you're never perfect, right? Occasionally you might have that moment in sport that you are, but they just put such stress on themselves. And at Liberty University, one of the largest Christian university in the world, we as Christians should be playing and living our lives with a sense of freedom and power, you know, to be able to have that servant heart to care for others and let them see Christ in us, but to compete as a warrior for Christ on the field, right? Even Jesus flipped tables over, um, you know, and it's, and that's, what's so awesome. I cannot wait to the day. My best part about coaching is when I can just watch what God has given these kids and they're playing with a sense of freedom because he has used me as an instrument to help impact their lives to realize that the sport doesn't define them. Christ defines us, right? But we play the sport to make a definition in the game, to make a difference in the sport so others can look and be inspired by the gifts that they see that obviously had to be given to us um, from the Lord.
0: I don't think I'm even be able to get to the to the Olympics, to the gold medals, to the orthopedic surgeon. I don't even think I can continue, Don. I told you, usually on these podcasts we go chronologically, (laughs) and I think with everybody that's been on it for three, four years now, as we've done this podcast, we've kind of been able to <laughs> uncoil it and oh, get sorry. all the way to present time. We're not getting there. Uh, we're, we're landing right here, which is a praise. And as I said to you before we began, this isn't my plan. This isn't my podcast. In much the same capacity, I just try to really be open-handed with this. And I'm just so fascinated to see where Right, the, the the Lord wants to take all of these conversations, and and I'm just led here on on a couple things to to, to land this year is you you have 25 parents in the room, and I'm sure you've had this experience before, maybe not in in a big setting like that, but certainly as you recruit these players, right, and you're searching out is all of those old coaches that you referenced from the different teams that you have been on who looked out and they found man that that's a, that girl's got a special gift. I, I want her to be a part of my team. I've not yet had a coach on, you know, that can really speak to this dot and you've already hit it. You've already hit it out of the park on a couple different occasions, but I'd really love for you to have this opportunity because I know that there are coaches listening, going to listen to this. I know that there's parents that are going to listen to this. I know there's even kids because I've gotten their emails that have listened to this podcast dot and you have an opportunity here to just implore them and encourage them and say, okay, um, You've got a young athlete that is aspiring. Don't let this world, don't let this culture, don't let this stress, don't let this pressure just just kneecap them. How do I do that? How do I go about it? And frankly, Dot, I'm asking from my own perspective where at times... Or, or my family members' perspectives where it's hard to just enjoy that gift that is our kids competing because, as you referenced earlier, the pressures and the stresses. So how do we go about doing this best? How do I let go and let God? How do I practically, as a player, as a coach, as a, as a parent, how can I truly enjoy this gift that is athletics that we learn so much from through my kids?
1: Well, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I can share. Number one, there has to be an unconditional love. And and the example comes from God the Father through the Son, like with the Holy Spirit, that as parents to show your children you love them no matter what, whether they play sports or not. And if they play sports, whether they struck out or hit a home run, they need to know that there's an unconditional love that you have for them and you need to tell them there's not anything that could happen to them in this world that they cannot come and talk to you about that. You've heard it all that you love them no, no matter
0: what. Is there anything else that you would want to share on this platform with those as I reference that tune in that, that are usually athletes or, or coaches or, or certainly have a component of faith in sports Did I Did I miss anything?
1: You know, it's really interesting uh, what brought me here. People say to Liberty University, you know, being an orthopedic surgeon and having my practice, then becoming an executive of a hospital and running a national training center, a 300 acre sports health and education campus. And with a new CEO, I was called into the office and told you I have a six month termination notice to form an not for profit that we're going to give the softball venue to that not-for-profit and how many of us have been there and you know, you lose a job, right? Or you, you get some bad news and you can always tell, you know, when those things happen, who do you search for, right? Where, where do you find that refuge? And for me, I knew right away, I was like, okay, God, what do you have in store? And so Brock, I was asked to run for mayor and then I was asked to run for County Commission and just a few days after I was told to form a not-for-profit, which I had and had my attorney getting it all ready. And, um, you know, instead of like, woe is me and feeling sad and what I realized, okay, a new adventure is coming. Let's go. God's got a plan. Do we give it to him? Well, Mm. I'm going to be in politics. I mean, I told this group uh, when they, when my husband and I talked and said, okay, county commission, um, and I'm going to have this not-for-profit and be a part of the board. And I'm going to serve people, Um, in politics as a county commission, the group told me, if you like it, Dot, if you like politics, we want to support you to run for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida in five years. And I was like, God wants me into politics, right? So I just gave it to the Lord and I challenge everyone listening, just give it to the Lord. And that's what I have learned. Just we do, we become the best we can be in all that we do. And there are things that are going to turn us in a direction that the Lord is going to lead us to. So I know it's politics. So in my prayer at night, around 11 o'clock at night, Heavenly Father, how can I serve you more? You have my soul. You have all of me. I said, wherever the future is you want me to be, I'm all in. I pray that you just make it perfectly clear like there's no doubt. The next morning at nine o'clock, I receive a phone call out of the blue on my cell phone from the athletic director at Liberty University. And they had said a previous coach had retired, and they're looking for a softball coach to replace him who has a name in the game and who can bring some instant credibility to the program. And I said, sir, where's Liberty University? (laughs) And he said, Lynchburg, Virginia, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we're the largest Christian university in the world. And my jaw dropped because the Lord instantly reminded me of the prayer I had the night before. Mm. He said, we want to put Liberty softball on the map, I said, sir, what does that mean to you? He says top 25 in the nation, Lord willing, win World Series championships. And he said, financially, we'll give you the budget to get there. We want to build a stadium also and would like for you to design it. And I said, sir, I'm humbled by this opportunity, Hmm. but you may not realize this. I have never head coached in college before. And he said, we realize that, but we feel the Lord is bringing us to you. And as I got off the phone, I told my husband and he was like, this is a God thing. We got to go. And that again is another God thing, right? When your spouse is on the same page. Um, And we came to Liberty University and it was very humble, humble campus. And we just felt this peace that the Lord says when you're doing his will, you'll have this peace that transcends all understanding. The softball field was like a wreck field. The offices and locker rooms and everything were in a double wide trailer that was ready to fall over, right? It was just... It didn't make sense to a lot of people, but we just trusted the Lord and felt like, okay, this is God. This is a God thing. So the Lord has brought me here to Liberty University, and I can tell you that he is so faithful. The first week I got there, was able to design a softball stadium, and they built it. Our team at the time, when I inherited it, because we started one week before school started, um, that team was ranked 276th in the nation out of three 96 only 20 worst teams in the country and we've been so blessed he's brought us amazing talents and just faithfulness where we've been ranked as high as 22 in the country we were three wins away from the college world series so i want to share with you um i've i do believe in the power of prayer and dreams i think the lord speaks to us in dreams and i had dreams of the olympics uh, of an olympic gold medal after seeing the Olympics for the first time in my life when I was seven and 27 years later, there we are standing on the gold medal podium in Columbus, Georgia, in the 96 Olympics, bending over all of us receiving an Olympic gold medal, and it's living the dream. And um, never saw that four years later would come, you know, uh, a second gold medal. God just is so faithful and just pursues even in more than you can possibly imagine. Above and Beyond
0: section of faith and sports. Subscribe to receive every episode at aboveandbeyondpodcast.com.